Hello, and welcome to Our Extraordinary Podcast. I'm Clara. And I'm Danny. And today we're talking about episode 205, Zoe's Extraordinary Trip, written by the team of Joe Port and Joe Wiseman and directed by John Terleski. Before we dive in, a quick request. If you like our podcast, please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star rating and review. Because of the way Apple's search algorithms work, it's those reviews that are on Apple that count the most towards search rankings, no matter what system you're coming from, except like Spotify. So people are much more likely to find podcasts that have a lot of Apple reviews than ones that don't have very many. So yeah, if you like us, very easy, free way to help us out is to just like leave one of those reviews. Also, I wanted to say a big congratulations to Jane Levy on her Golden Globe nod. I'm sure you're excited about that too, Danny. Whoop, whoop. Yeah. Honestly, a lot of the nominations this year were trash. Like, even the people who make Emily in Paris are mad that it got nominated over I May Destroy You. But Jane has done an incredible job in this show showing like a really wide range, right? This is not just your typical musical comedy. Um, so her nomination seems very well deserved, and we just want to throw out a big. Yay, Jane. Yeah, I'm, like, super excited for her. Kind of sad that, like, the show didn't get nominated in, like, any other aspect, like, at all. Like, not even, like, directing or, like, choreography, anything. I'm just like, um, okay. Like, I was actually kind of surprised it got any, though, because it's kind of one of those underdog shows to begin with. Golden Globe disappointments, though, is definitely a... I think Golden Globe disappointment is a fact of life, but we're glad that we get to be appointed in this one area. True. So, now that that's out of the way, why don't you read the episode summary for us, Danny? Well, IMDb says, Zoe decides to explore her rebellious side with her neighbor from growing up Aiden, guest star Felix Mallard. Max's dad, guest star Chip Zine, comes to visit. <laughs> I know it would be a pretty big spoiler, but I feel like this description glosses over, like, the meatiest parts of this episode. Don't you, Danny? Yeah, I mean, like, it doesn't even mention, like, anything else. Like, you know, it doesn't even say anything like Simon's, like, work drama or, like, you know. Like, yeah, it doesn't even allude to that or to, like. Yeah, well, I saw the promo for, like, next week and, like, it's, like, all Simon, so. I gotta start watching We're these before we record. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, we should get to initial impressions. So, Danny, what do you think of this episode? I mean, I like episodes like this. I'm all for, like, the weird drug trip episodes. I mean, it doesn't happen for all that long in this episode, but I don't know. I think those ones are really fun to explore. Yeah. Especially, I feel like, as people who are, like, making it, I have a feeling like it's got to be fun on a bunch of different kind of elements there. Yeah, and, like, it's... I think it's especially fun because Zoe's character is so buttoned up, right? Like... You're getting to see somebody who is definitely not into drugs have that kind of experience and, like, freak out about it a little. She's probably smoked pot, like, once. Lanier was like, there's no way that she grew up in San Francisco and didn't do drugs, but I don't know. I mean, like, she's kind of, like, I feel like just her own person, so maybe she could get away <laughs> with not doing it. But I also thought it kind of weird just because, like, her parents were clearly, like, hippies in, like, the 70s. And I'm like, they've done drugs. I just like the whole way, though, that they went about drugs in the episode. I, I will say, though, like, my parents both, sorry to expose you, but my parents both had, you know, various drug experiences in the 60s and 70s when they were growing up and, like, coming of age or whatever. And I think that made me 
like my form of rebellion was kind of being straight laced for a very long time. It actually surprises me a little bit that Zoe hasn't done drugs just because she's kind of a weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> like she is like buttoned up, but she's also like not your average person like at all. She's very like <laughs> erratic. Yeah. And weird. Well, I will say going back to the episode I, I found myself pretty irritated with Zoe in this episode, which I, I oh, think yeah. is the point, but it was still really frustrating to watch. And I think especially because I do identify with her on a lot of levels, just seeing how self-absorbed she is in this moment. And, like, I, I get that, like, part of grief and part of depression is you get focused on yourself, but, like, the extent to which she got self-focused to the exclusion of people who have really been there for her and given her a lot, mm-hmm. it just, like... I don't know. You said something in your notes that was, like, not about dad trauma, ID gaff, which I think, like, summed it up pretty well. But the big highlight for me of this episode, aside from Simon's arc and his incredible rendition of Don't Let Me Be Misunderstood, which we'll get to in the Heart Songs, was Max calling her out because it was totally necessary. Oh, and I guess, like, one other small highlight was when she pets Danny Michael Davis's ankle and says it's like a dolphin. I cracked up, though, when she's like, can I pet it? And he's like, of course you can. And then she's, like, jumping on the table so awkwardly. Crawling there. I'm like, okay. Was she still holding her popsicle at the time? No, I think she'd finished it. All right, all right. That, that at least is... Some some small amount of good judgment. Oh, one thing that Lanier noticed from that scene that I just thought was hilarious was Aiden was literally, like, on his phone in the background. <laughs> that felt very real. Oh, yeah. I noticed that, too. And I was like, this is so, so accurate. Like, I've definitely, whenever I get high, I tune out basically everything that's happening around me. And then I'll just, like, <laughs> kind of, like, poke my head up randomly and just be like, yo, dude, did you know this? <laughs> like, on my phone the whole time. I, like... Sneak off without saying goodbye to people and just take naps. I, I do that a lot, too. You do that in real life, though, I think. I do, but I feel like I'm more likely to if I'm intoxicated. Just be like, bye. Anyway, we should, we should probably get into the deep dive. So the arcs I want to cover are, one, more depth on Zoe's trip with Aiden and uh, Danny Michael Davis. Two, Max's visit with his dad. Three... The douchey architect's reaction to being turned down. I'm not even going to name him. I know you put his name in the notes, and I'm ignoring that. Um, But yeah, him, like, being douchey about being turned down by Maggie, and then the fight between Maggie and Jenna that results from that. And four, which we're going to save for last because I think it's the meatiest, Simon's arc about being used as a shield against accusations of racism as a result of the bias built into SparkPoint's facial recognition algorithms. So let's start with Zoe. Since we're already, like, halfway into the drug trip arc, you said something in your notes that I really love. Earth signs can only rebel the way Zoe does. I just loved the, like, to-do list of rebellious activities. It was a little too real, though. I felt called out. (laughs) Yeah, I also saw your reply about how she's probably Aquarius rising like us. Which is probably true. Mm -hmm. Which would make sense of her little weirdo side, too. Yeah, I feel like every single time I have done anything kind of like that, we're like, I'm going to, like, let loose or whatever. Like, I always still have to have, like, a solid plan in place. Like, I'm never going to be, like, an Mm -hmm. on-the-fly, let's-be-spontaneous person. No, you have to Um, schedule your drug trip. Yeah. I'm never, like, when I get home at the end of the day, like, let's get high. Like, no. I tell myself, I'm going to get high on this day. (laughs) That's what happens. 
Yeah. Planning. Planning. Spreadsheets. Calendars. I always think that, I mean, you were saying this before, but I, I really do think drug trip episodes are hilarious. Like, it, it is such a trope, but they're so heightened to the point of being silly. And especially in, like, a comedy when you're seeing them from the perspective of the person who is high. I think at one point during this episode, Lanier made some comment about how Jane doesn't do a good job of acting high. And I was like, no, no, no. She's not, like, that's not the point. The point is that she's funny and she does an amazing job of that in this episode. Like, there are bits that are, that are like, real things of being high or whatever, but the point is for it to be a little exaggerated and funny. Absolutely. There are moments in, in the performance, not just hers, also, like, Felix's as Aiden. Like, I'm like, they almost seem like they're legitimately high right now. <laughs> He he did especially, I think. Yeah, he was really good at it. What do you think? Like, they don't ever tell us what she's on, right? Like, and Aiden doesn't tell her. What do you think she is I have a feeling on? there's probably a reason behind not saying what it is because they're probably not allowed to kind of, like, promote what kind of drug it is, you know? Oh, because it's a network show? Yeah, it's a network show. Clearly, it's a psychedelic, um, but as I was saying to you before, like, there aren't very many psychedelics that are in pill form. Almost all of them are like, you know, like shrooms or like a like a tab of acid yeah, yeah. or or whatever. Like they they don't generally work like that. There's a couple synthesized ones that have been made. So it's probably one or two of those. I'm probably not going to put the names out there either, but one of them sounded <laughs> like it might be right because it said it had like moments of like emotional clarity or something like that. And, and you think that was her like heart that. song or yeah, what was it? <laughs> her heart song cracked me up because I was just like, "Could you just imagine?" <laughs> we'll, we'll definitely get there. I just wish I could have seen it, like besides at the very end, like uh-huh. of it, but like what? Yeah, they were from seeing. the outside. Yeah. Well, especially because they were like, oh, "God, we're gonna, I'm gonna get into this. We'll, we'll get into it later." Okay, gotta gotta hold our segment structure. <laughs> but yes, uh-huh. I agree. Yeah, so we'll get to this more. <laughs> but I really did like getting to see her sing again. And I do think, one thing that I did want to mention now is that I do think it made sense to tie it to a chemical, ex- chemical experience that, like, erodes inhibitions. Because she is so inhibited. And, like, the last time we saw her burst out in song is when she was just so overwhelmed and stressed that it, like, burst out of her. And this feels like a, a sort of different side of the same coin. Yeah, she's only had a couple musical moments in the show, really. Like, either it's from her knowing and acknowledging that she's singing and actually Mm -hmm. singing, or her freak-out episode where she sings quite a few times um, because she's ignoring things, or in her dreams. Like, she's... It's only, like, those few things. Yeah, and all of those are kind of, like, uninhibited moments in that way, right? Like, her dreams, (laughs) obviously... No inhibitions there. Yeah, yeah, and like I think that's sort of when you get that overwhelmed, you also like cease to have full control. Yeah. Um. So I really, I just felt like that was a good, a good touch, and like it made a lot of sense. Um. She comes out of her trip, of course, with a new quote unquote carefree attitude, but it's also kind of bullshit. So what did you think of that, Danny? I mean, it's basically her trying to choose happiness again, right? <laughs> like, it's a very similar thing that like, clearly didn't work out the first time. 
I don't know. It's like the carefree attitude, like it doesn't work for everyone. Like there are people that it works for and clearly Aiden is one of those (laughs) people. But she also has a lot more going on in her life, you know? Like she has people who rely on her. She is a big boss and like a huge corporation. Like there's a lot there. So it's like she can't really afford to have a carefree attitude. But it's also just disingenuous to who she is. Yeah, yeah. She And I think that's where I find it to be. It's disingenuous to who she is because she does bond deeply with people, right? Like mm-hmm. that, yes, caring is exhausting. Mm-hmm. But you kind of need people who care, right? Like not everyone can be Aiden or <laughs> nothing will get done in the world uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and also right like as fun as he is it's not clear that he gives much of a shit about other people which we see sort of coming out in her in this episode too like as she tries to adopt this persona she does a pretty bad job of being there for the people in her life i definitely don't think it's not that he doesn't care because he does have kind of like these moments where like you can tell he clearly cares about yeah. zoe but yeah like that's just essential to who she is. Yeah. It's why it's why people are in her life. Like, yeah. if she didn't care so fucking much, like, would Mo be her best friend? I don't think so. No. You know? Prefacing this by first saying, like, you would never tell someone else to give less shits. But it the way that she tries to, like, put it on as an outfit reminded me a little bit of the way that, like, you sometimes cope with traumatic events in your life like you go to this place sometimes it's like I don't give a fuck but anyone who knows you knows that like that's bullshit that that's Danny talking out her ass and you give all of the fucks (laughs) even (laughs) when it hurts and you don't want to admit it yeah it's definitely like a (laughs) fake it till you make it situation all the time (laughs) um yeah sometimes it is just a coping mechanism to tell yourself that you don't give a fuck but you really really do And I mean, like, I feel like there are genuinely times where, like, I don't give a fuck about what... It's more like what people think than than anything. But it also... It's more of, like, an angry I don't give a fuck than, like, a a sad I don't give a fuck. Yeah, it's, like, it can be a front for a couple different things, right? It can be a front for I don't want to be sad. Or it can be a front for, like, this person is a douche and I don't want to be giving them any power over me. Yeah. Um, we should probably move on to Max's arc soon, but before we do, I seem to recall that you came out of this episode with a whole-ass astrological chart done for Aiden. Can I get you to share share with the audience? Well, of course it all started with uh, me texting you and Tori, who was also, we were texting with, and I was like, I'm pretty sure he's either a Sagittarius or an Aquarius, but I'm I'm leaning towards Aquarius. So what I ended up doing for him is by I know after watching the episode a couple times I I had come to the conclusion that he is an Aquarius sun was it Scorpio moon Scorpio moon I think, I think yeah so. Scorpio and moon Sagittarius I'm rising because like obviously like at first glance he could seem like a Sagittarius that whole like carefree wants to travel the world doesn't want to be tied down kind of guy like definitely him <laughs> but he's also weird as fuck he's clearly he's like so weird he's so weird and it's so funny because that song like it's something i would never even have thought of if he hadn't like sang the words and i was like wow that so perfectly applies to like that mentality and that lifestyle in a way that i was like wow <laughs> i would not, <laughs> did not expect that from that song um 
But yeah, the Scorpio is obviously like his Scorpio moon is like he has this like magnetism about him mm-hmm. and like attractiveness that like just screams Scorpio. So he's got a lot of energy gear going on there. And you're not just saying that because you find him immensely sexy, right? <laughs> no, I'm not just saying that. That is what he reads to me. Anyone can feel free to, to argue with me about this. They can. Anyone can <laughs> don't offer expect suggestions. To win, but <laughs> don't expect her to give an inch. <laughs> I've made up my mind. <laughs> right. Well, well, we'll move on to Max, your actual favorite. Though uh, he definitely has some daddy issues, huh? Sure does. What did you think of his dad? I like. I don't know how to feel about it. Like his dad, it's like clearly, it's like they have like their own personal issues, so it's hard to kind of like judge them. Yeah. At face value, like me, like meeting him and as a character and being like an outsider's perspective, like he doesn't seem like that bad, but yeah. like. I know how that is. Like, people will be like, oh, well, like, you know, your parent or your grandparent or whatever is, like, the sweetest fucking person in the world. And it's like, yeah, they they can be to, like, other people, but that doesn't mean that's how they treat you, like, when other people aren't looking. Well, and I think something in the last – or in a couple episodes ago, the one where Max and Mo have that fight over the contract, he said that his dad had never said he was proud of him. And that's a Mm -hmm. really specific thing. Right? Like, his dad can be as nice as we think he is and still not be giving Max the one thing he needs, which is, like, just this this validation that it's okay to be who he is. Yeah. And obviously, like, I mean, it, it's something that it gets brought up a couple times. Uh, not necessarily the proud thing, but, like, it's clear that, like, there's a big disconnect between him and not just his dad, but seemingly the rest of his yeah. family since... His brother and sister also work for the dad and like he's clearly on the other side of the country. And Yeah, it is a little weird. I think I was expecting him to be a little bit more like Nathaniel's dad on Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, just like way colder and more removed. And so I kind of had the same reaction you did where I was like, oh, he seems nice. But I think you're right that like it's very different when you're sort of coming in from the outside than when you've sort of grown up with that. And I do think, like, there are a specific set of traumas that Max clearly has around, like, wanting to make his dad proud and feel feel seen for the success that he has. Yeah, and, like, how did you feel about him turning down the money that his father offered him? So that was the thing that irked me most in this episode, to be honest. And I, like... It's because he was refusing to take the money, not because, like, he thought there were some strings attached or, like, he'd be controlled by his dad or something like that or that he'd have to cave to his dad in any way, right? Like, his dad raised these concerns about the restaurants and you could see him being like, I don't really want to just, like, cater to what he his vision of the restaurant should be. But that's not what his dad was asking at all, right? Like, the principle felt kind of weak to me because it was like... He didn't want to take the money because he wanted his dad to believe in him before giving him money. And, like, on the one hand, I do agree with him that money and support are not the same thing. But the way Max handled it felt a little to me like a child throwing a temper tantrum. Yeah, because he's not just letting himself down. He's letting Mo down Exactly, exactly. And Mo is, like, super cool about it. And, like, clearly Mo, like, really clearly cares for max if he's gonna put up with that (laughs) but 
Yeah, that was something that kind of was like, I was like, wait, what? Like, like I mean, I, I get where he's coming from. Yeah. But his dad wasn't even inherently like that negative about it. He was just kind of like, well, like, I'm trying to get there. I'm trying to. Yeah. Yeah. To see what you're seeing. And it, it did feel a little bit like, again, like, we're coming at this from the outside. We haven't seen their whole relationship. But, like, it did feel like he was not cutting him any slack for for that and it's fine if he doesn't feel like it's one thing again like if he personally feels slighted by it but it just feels weird i don't know i was talking to this i i interviewed for my for my book show over the summer i interviewed um this author of a very intense ya novel about um like conversion therapy oh geez um yeah it was like super intense but it was also like a really great book and he made this comment about how like I encourage gay kids with unsupportive parents to like if you need to keep your mouth shut not just to survive but to like get money for college or whatever else like don't feel like you owe your parents coming out if you know that they're going to be shitty about it just like take the money and run and there was a little bit of that in how I felt about how Max should maybe have approached this like you're okay maybe you feel like this is not the same as support and you want support but like that doesn't mean you should turn down the money. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm sure that they'll be successful in getting money in some yeah. other way. But, like, yeah, it was just one of those things where it's, like, I don't know. Some people are really proud, though, yeah. and, like, will not accept money from someone that they just, like, don't feel 100% right about it. Yeah. And that makes sense. It does. But I think, personally, if I was in that situation, I have very shitty relationship with my dad and if my dad offered me a sum of money to help me out I'd be like yes let me take that mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah I feel like you owe it to me <laughs> yeah that's the thing like maybe it doesn't make up for all the bullshit but hey <laughs> I had to deal with the bullshit I might as well get some money out of it yeah but I, I do feel like because I am come from a generation that very much struggles with money in general yeah. and like I think it's so much easier for some of us to be like yes I will accept your money well and that that was part of it was that it it, it is really privileged like to be able to turn down that some well one like that you know somebody personally who can give you that sum of money and like not even think about whether or not they lose it is hella privileged. But like to be able to turn it down is also a very privileged thing. And I think that's why I felt like, oh, you really should not have done that without talking to Mo first at the very least. It's one of those things too, where it's like, I don't know, like I get it. Like they're trying to make a business like completely like on their own, I feel like. And so it's like, yeah. I don't know. It is different than getting an actual investment from people yeah. who are like, yes. Yeah. Yeah. We want to see this work. Yeah. Anyway. I'd eat at the restaurant. Was there anything else you wanted to talk about Max related? Not the heart song because we will get there before we move on to Maggie. Well, didn't you want to talk about him calling oh, Zoe shit, out? Oh, shit. You're right. I skipped right over that. Yeah. Let's talk about him calling Zoe out. That was like one of my favorite moments in this entire episode because I was basically – calling her out at my screen but of course she can't hear me oh yeah and it was like it wasn't even just like what she was saying it was her whole fucking attitude Mm -hmm. towards it and how defensive she got immediately when he was like excuse me (laughs) 
She had a very toxic vibe this episode. She really did. And, like, I don't know. Like, of course, like, it, like, tugged at my heartstrings a little bit when he's, like, one of the reasons I love you is because you care so much or mm-hmm. something or whatever. Something along those lines. Yeah. And I was just like, Ugh. I hope it does that to her, too. It looked like it devastated her a little. It seemed like it did because she was definitely already thinking about, like, how I think, like, much she fucked up. Yeah. But then, like, it just really hit home Yeah, when Danny Michael Davis is like, let's, I want to sell the company. Yeah, yeah. One of the other things I noticed about that scene was, like, when she said that to Max, when she, like, said the bullshit about, like, care less to Max, Mo is just like, do-do-do, going over here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's already still, like, so much fucking tension between the two of them. Yeah. Like, when she, like walked into Moe's apartment and like the second that like Max enters frame they both just like you can like just kind of like see them like hesitate with each other and like even like I still love the fact that they're still willing to like be there for each other like but that relationship is definitely still like strained. Have we talked about Max's sign? I've said that I'm pretty sure he's a Taurus and like this makes it feel even more accurate because he's stubborn as hell. I felt like he might be a Pisces from that moment. No, his his emotions are too inward and like refined, hmm. <laughs> not just spilling all over the place. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he has like water in his chart, yeah. but I'm still pretty sure that he's like a Taurus sun. All right, we'll have to get you to do do one soon. All right, yeah. Shall we move on to Maggie? Let's do it. Okay. I'm honestly disappointed that they went there. Like, I I know that we knew they would, and that I literally was like, this is what's going to happen last episode. But it's still just like, it just frustrated me. It frustrated me that, like, this is the story that we have to tell. Because I just wanted her, I wanted her to be able to have, like, this good experience her first time back to work. And as unprofessional as it was, I have a little trouble blaming Jenna for her uh, art installation. That whole thing, like, it's like I see both sides of it. I see, I absolutely see where Maggie's coming from and Mm -hmm. I absolutely see where Jenna's coming from. So it's really hard. Yeah. It's really hard to, to like, kind of, like, pick a side there. Because, like, I mean, it is very, very unprofessional. But that guy was a big old douche canoe. So not surprised. And it's just, like, you know, you can just tell, like, that's stuff that Jenna's put up with before. I feel like she's had these instances probably where men, like, hit on her and she doesn't reciprocate and they're fucking assholes about it. And it's just like... And she's had experiences like I loved it when like she made the comment, though. Which which comment? When she makes the comment when he says it out loud. Oh, yeah, yeah. And she's like, uh, we all know what you were expecting or whatever. Yeah. Because it's just like, uh, it's so gross. Like, I was expecting it to, to turn sour, but, like, I guess not quite that sour. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. And it just... I don't know. You were right from the start. He's a sleazebag. Could feel it. Um, I do think, like, like you said, I sort of I see both sides. Like, I think Maggie's reaction makes sense. Both sides being Maggie's and Jenna's. Like, fuck Roger. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Roger. Like they, but in the fight itself, they both said things that were way below the belt. Like that escalated very, very quickly. <laughs> and I wanted to hug them both at the end of it. I think Jenna especially because she just seemed like this sad and scared little girl 
coming out of it. And it left me wondering for the millionth time this season what her and Emily's parents must be like and, like, what that relationship must be. I am assuming toxic. (laughs) Well, yeah. There's no mention of it. There's no mention of their parents. Who are they? Where are they? Are they even around anymore? Like, we don't know anything. Yeah. But, yeah, I definitely felt really bad for Jenna, too. And I also just, like, picked up a weird gay vibe between them. But Between Jenna and Maggie? Yeah. Uh-uh. No, no. I don't I don't see that one. <laughs> I was like, whoa. I'm all for the gay vibes, generally speaking, and, you know, headcanon whatever you want, but uh, I don't see that one. It almost just, like, there was, like, almost, like, too much defensiveness there. I felt like it was more like a mother-daughter thing, like, and I okay, say this okay. is somebody who, like, has a complicated relationship with her mother and has also very embarrassingly, like, projected that sort of maternal relationship onto bosses like please don't not my current boss thank god uh (laughs) but like i've had bosses who are women who are like a little bit older than me and i've definitely caught myself like looking for validation from them in the way that i would look for it from my mom so i i definitely saw that as like a mother-daughter thing oh my god this is so embarrassing i need to shut up i don't think that's ever happened to me congratulations (laughs) you're better adjusted (laughs) Or or not well-adjusted in different ways, whatever. It's definitely in different ways. Um, All right, so let's move off the subject very quickly. Um, (laughs) And let's talk about Simon's arc, because I think this is, like, really the meat of this episode in a lot of ways. Yeah. It was fucking intense, for one. Uh I actually know a couple people who work on algorithmic discrimination, which is, like, kind of... It's related to what they're talking to, right? Like, they're talking about, like, algorithmic bias and algorithmic discrimination is related for sure. And it's really hard to get tech companies to take it seriously, even when they're, like, the ones commissioning your studies and being like, tell us how to fix it. They mm-hmm. don't They don't really want to fix it, especially if they feel like it is going to cut into their bottom line, which because advertising is, like, such a huge part of what makes a lot of tech companies their money. Yeah. Like, they rely on algorithms to do that, and they don't really want to spend the money to change them or to, like, deal with the consequences of, like, if you change this one thing, how does it affect everything else? Um, They were saying something about, in the episode, about how, like, people get like arrested based off of yeah yeah so this was actually a big thing um i mean it's been a big thing for a while but like one of the one of the things to come out of the protests over the summer amazon had been making this uh facial recognition software that police were using to identify suspects And it had exactly the problem that they talked about in this episode. Like, it didn't do a good job of recognizing black faces. And so one of the things that, like, when it's not good at recognizing black faces, it kind of over-reports matches. Mm -hmm. And so it feeds into this problem that already exists where black people are, are seen as, like, inherently more likely to be criminal. Which wouldn't surprise me if, like, cops want to keep it that way. Yeah, this this is one of the things that like bugs me the most. So Amazon suspended that program for one year. Honestly, felt like just trying to make people forget it. But mm-hmm. anyway, Timnit Gebru, who is a black researcher who was fired from Google a few months ago, she worked on algorithmic discrimination too. Mm-hmm. 
I actually think the paper that that she says she was fired over might have had something to do with algorithmic discrimination. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, this is super real, both as, like, a, a problem and in terms of the kinds of responses that you see of, like, trotting out Black people to make the company look good and also firing Black people who you hired to research it when they come up with results that maybe you don't like. And it's, it's super shitty. It's it's super shitty. So I, I kind of was curious about how you felt like they handled it on the show. I really liked to see, like, kind of, like, the interactions between, like, Simon and Tatiana and Mo and, like, their yeah. different reactions to, like, the same thing. But also just, I, I just think, think it's a really good storyline and it really hits home with some of the yeah. stuff that we are currently going through. It's, like, hard for me to, like, have an opinion on it because I am white. But I think that they, like, handled it really well. And I'm interested to see, like, where they go with it. I mean, the mm-hmm. promo, which I, I think you should watch it, just points to things getting, like, even worse. Yeah. I, I with what you said, like, I really appreciated the scene with Simon talking to Tatiana and Mo because I think it it did a good job of of, like, breaking down this assumption that there's like one view or one right way to handle it and like really showing the impossibility of, of him being in that position. Um, I also did like that the episode ended on his speech because it, it suggests it's not going to be a one and done. And like you said, the teaser seems to be all about him for, for next episode. I would say, I mean, I'm also white. So like, again, maybe I'm not the, it's hard for me to have an opinion on it. One concern I have is, on the one hand, I'm I'm glad that we are getting a Simon arc that is independent of his relationship with Zoe. Because I, I had sort of mentioned before that I felt like he'd been sidelined. Yeah. On the other hand, I hope that there's that he continues to have an independent arc that isn't just about pain. Yeah. I think it's good to be aware of it, but I just I would like to see that in in other contexts, and I, I just don't want it to be all focused on his pain. Like, I think it's really good to bring this issue up. I think they did a decent job in this episode. Hopefully that continues going forward. But I also don't want the only things that we get from the story about Simon to be love interest for Zoe and the repository of, or the the trigger for conversations about race racism i'd like him to have a fuller independent life than just those things i feel like it's gonna be a good thing just like i know that i've seen um john clarence stewart talk a lot about how he liked where they went with with it and how he's excited for people to see what is going forward and also like some of the song choices in the next couple episodes too so i'm like yeah. Really excited for that because he seems yeah, like really happy with it. But I I couldn't help but wonder while I was watching it, I was like, I really hope that they like consulted the actors and like and mm-hmm. and um like people of color, uh like storytellers and stuff when they went into it because like I like that's really also important to have like their honest truth. Well, and I wondered a lot about the composition of the writer's room, right? Like, are they talking about a problem that they're not addressing in their in their own <laughs> writer's room, right? Like, Yeah. Um, and I don't know, right? Like, I, I have been really coming to the writers as they, as they come up for episodes. But um, anyway, 
I, I'm glad that they did it. I think you're right. Like John Clarence Stewart has been excited about um, this episode and is excited about it going forward. And I am too. I just, I hope that it continues to be done in a way that feels respectful and authentic. And also that it's not all we get for John Clarence Stewart for Simon. Cause I think, I think he's a really great character. I want to see, like I said, I want, I want a full life for him mm-hmm. outside of Zoe. And I mean, like, I feel like it goes that way for any character. It's just like, you don't yeah. always want to see like just the painful, yeah, painful side for them. And like trauma based stories are just so popular in, in general. And like, you know, it's like, there's so many more stories that people can tell for like people of color mm-hmm. or um, like the queer community. It's like, not everything has to be like a sad story. Yeah, which doesn't mean there isn't a place for the sad stories. It just means, like... I do think Zoe's, in general, does a really good job at balancing that. So I do feel like they'll come back out. Like, it's always done a really good job at balancing, like, the humor with, like, all of the, like, sad shit that's, like, going on. And Yeah, I agree with you. Like, I think I think there are good signals that they'll handle it well. I'm just, like... Yeah. Nervous. I'm nervous, <laughs> yeah. All right, so... The last thing I wanted to say about Simon's arc is that I really want to see Zoe make amends to Simon for the way she treated him in this episode while she was high. Yeah. Because he needed her support. And frankly, what he was dealing with was really big. And I think, like, she has gotten into this headspace where, like, her dad dying is the only big thing that anyone deals with, right? It's like, why can she not have a conversation with Simon that doesn't have to do with dad trauma, which I had pointed out before. Mm -hmm. It's like, he has other shit going on and like she's just been a shitty friend to him in general this season like it's like she comes to him when she needs something but the second he needs something and i understand that she was high when she talked to him and and there was a lot going on there but it would have been nice for her to reach out before going back into work be like hey and that's why i think she needs to make amends right this it it can't they can't just go back to being like friends like nothing happened she needs to fix her shit. yeah i would actually like for her to try and then him being like no 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 like we can't just go bad yeah yeah and i think that would be very in character i just want more people to call zoe out when she's being shitty <laughs> those are your favorite moments mo doing that for her max doing that for her not to say that we don't love zoe because we do it's mm-hmm. just like realizing when she's being selfish and and you need friends who will hold you accountable yeah. in life. <laughs> like, you really do. <laughs> you really do. All right. So that, that's what I had for the arcs. Do you want to add anything before we move to heart songs? Do you want to talk about how much we hate Danny Michael Davis? <laughs> <laughs> okay. We can talk about how much we hate Danny Michael Davis. The answer is all of it. I just think he's such an archetype of just like tech industry dude bros. Mm-hmm. I just like, I just like, I'm like, is he supposed to look like Mark Zuckerberg? Because I wonder that too. I think they must have cast at least a little bit for that. The first time I saw him, I was like, the social network? No. <laughs> but yeah, I just like, I can't stand him. Like, I mean, there's moments where like, you know, clearly like, you know, he has some carrying bones in his body. Um, you know, I actually disagree with you on this because I don't think it ever comes out when it's not like related to him somehow. Well, I mean, like, he genuinely seemed to care when, when Zoe was talking about, like, how her dad passed right. away and stuff. So, But, like, right afterward, what he says is, you know, this isn't the same. Yeah, not to say this is the same as your thing, but let me tell you about how SparkPoint burned me. 
I don't know, but like I like I guess like I just know so many people who do that. Like that it just like mm-hmm. to me, like it that doesn't mean they don't care. They just like it's easy for it's it's sometimes people say it more as like a I'm trying to make you feel better because I can slightly relate to you or whatever. Like I like I know so many people who do that. It's just like their way of being able to have something to say in the conversation and and being like, You're not alone. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know. He's just so squicky. Like, he goes so back and forth. Jamie like Michael just, Douche. Like, just could not. It just rubs you the wrong way. And then also just like, I'm like. Oh, the scene with him and Simon. Ugh. Oh, that was so bad. That was so bad. Everything about that was creepy and gross. And it was just like, uh, you could just see it. And like, fucking, of course, Simon is just such a professional that he's just like, you could see it on his face. And obviously. Yeah. Uh, DMD doesn't give a shit or notice because he doesn't care. But like, you could just written all over his face how uncomfortable he is, but he doesn't say anything. Yeah, I'm just like his phone call to Zoe though. Now I'm just like thinking about it, and I'm like, uh, just even the tone of his voice. I'm like, how did you not notice? Also, super entitled, right? Like the same bullshit. He's like, well, she's my employee. Doesn't matter that she has a day off. I'll come to her. Mm-hmm. I'll track her fucking phone. No. Anyways, we don't like him. All right. Heart songs? Let's do it. There were just four heart songs in this episode. In order of appearance, they were Unwritten by Natasha Bedingfield, which is the one Aiden sings. Starships by Nicki Minaj, sung by Zoe, Aiden, DMD, and a bunch of randos. Numb by Linkin Park, sung by Max. And Don't Let Me Be Misunderstood by Nina Simone, which is the one that Simon sings. So let's start with Favorites. Which heart song were you feeling the most this week, Danny? This was actually a really hard one, to be honest. Like, they were all solid in, like, their own different ways. Like, they were all so different. Every single one of the songs was just completely different. Like, I loved Aiden's song Unwritten. I just like hearing him sing, too. I know you were like, oh, I don't know if I want him <laughs> to have heart songs or whatever. But I just think he sings, like, really, really well. And it was just, like, a, a good number. I also was just like, like that nostalgia. Mm-hmm. And then I thought Starships was really fun. Like, I'm not even, like, a big fan of that song to begin with. Mm-hmm. But it was just, like, looked like it was so much fun. And, they like, they were having a good time. The group numbers are just always so fun. But yeah, that's true. I'm not going to choose Simon's because, like, I feel like that's where you're going to go. But, um, <laughs> like, of course, it's me. My favorite was Numb by Linkin Park, sung by Max. Um, for one, I love that song. Like, But that song just takes me back to middle school. Apparently, this song just turned oh 18 God, years old. Oh, my God, I feel old. so old. <laughs> Apparently, this song just turned 18 years old. Like, I'm like, damn, what? I remember when that song came out. So I love that song in general, but I, I really loved, like, what they did with it like they changed the musical output of it like they made that song their own for the show like that's not how Mm -hmm. the song sounds normally um it's like a screamo song for one and hip-hop but they they turned it into like i don't i don't know how to describe music very well but you know it's more like melodic and it was a ballad it's a ballad yeah and then skylar aston just like you know his you're such a skylar aston stan everybody already knows danny (laughs) it's so true but it was just so good like he's really good at like just being the character so emotional like he puts his emotions into the song you can feel it i agree with you that it was a really emotional performance 
But you know me well. You were right. For me, Simon's rendition of Don't Let Me Be Misunderstood definitely stole the show. John Clarence Stewart put up this really great post on Instagram, which I think everyone should check out, about what the song meant to him and, like, how he learned about Nina Simone and his, like, his music education in, I think it was in college. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, definitely check that out because I, like... I was like, oh, this is this is amazing, and I just love hearing people talk about things that they are passionate about. But it's also an incredible song on its own, for one. For two, the choreography was amazing and really, really intense. I feel like I've been noticing choreo a lot in this season, but even within that, this was a standout performance in that respect. And while I ha- liked the other performances in this episode... I didn't feel like most of them had the same gravitas. Like, Max's was the most heart-songy other than this one. Mm -hmm. But they were dealing with really different kinds of pain, I think. And Simon's performance just... I just found it so arresting. Like, I just couldn't take my eyes off it either time that I watched. Also, not a fan of Linkin Park. What? Why? I mean, honestly, it's just not my music. I don't really know how to answer why other than the, like... I... It doesn't grab me <laughs> i mean it came out like you know like when like they were really popular when i was like in middle school i don't know if i would have been such a big fan of them if if i was older when they had first kind of like yeah. rose to fame um just because like i really like related to <laughs> that angst yeah. that they sing about yeah i've always loved lincoln park i i've had like kind of like an on and off relationship with them and i think any lincoln park fan would well it would know exactly why it's the that uh really bad remix that they did with Jay-Z. We don't talk about it. Um, (laughs) But So I think for you it was Linkin Park. For me it was Nine Inch Nails at that time. Yeah, I never got into Nine Inch Nails. (laughs) Yeah, I think think you're just a little too young for it, right? Like, honestly, the last album that I listened to was the one that came out when I was in high school, which I'm, like, blanking on what it's called, but it had... um, we're in this together now on it. I do love how, like, the guys from Nine Inch Nails now make uh, movie scores. Oh, yeah, Trent Reznor does. Yeah, and Atticus, um, Atticus Ross. And speaking of The Social Network, I think he did The Social Network one. Sure yeah. did. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, like, I, I find the obsession that I had with Trent Reznor in high school very embarrassing now on a number of levels. But <laughs> <I've had many laughs> that was my those. Lincoln Park. <laughs> <laughs> I've had many of those. I was actually never like into anyone in Lincoln Park, though. Um, I mine was more like a Gerard Way from My Chemical Romance and and the lead singer of Good Charlotte. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we, sh- we should move on to Aiden's number. Mm-hmm. But before we do, I do want to put a quick call out to our listeners. So when I was researching the music for this episode, I noticed that when you Google Don't Let Me Be Misunderstood, the top result is the cover from The Animals. They released it only a year after the original, and it is pretty iconic, but it took me almost a full page of results to find anything that mentioned it wasn't an original. And the original was written for Nina Simone, who is a black singer and pianist. It was written by Benny Benjamin, Horace Ott, and Sol Marcus. Um, and at least Benny Benjamin and Horace Ott are black. I wasn't sure about Sol Marcus. But if you do a search and you see the, like, card that highlights the animals version at the very top, because it is one of those, like, cards that Google does where it's, mm-hmm. like, a- emphasized and highlighted, um, I feel like you might not realize that. So I'd like to ask our listeners to to run that search on their phone for Don't Let Me Be Misunderstood 
It works a little bit differently on desktop, so that's why I'm suggesting phone. Click the three dots on the top right of the card that shows it and select send feedback. And you can ask Google to either change the result they highlight in the card at the top or at least make it clearer that it's a cover of a Nina Simone song. I just think that's really important. It, like, Especially in the context of this episode, it really struck me that this is a song written by Black songwriters for a Black singer. And when you do a search, the thing that comes up is a band full of white men. Um, so anyway, help us out. Do that little task. Some, if they get enough feedback, they do change these things. I, you know, I just heard about some similar thing where, like, uh, they were saying the wrong. They were saying that kimchi originated in the wrong place or something like that. So if we can, um, if we can send, if we, if a bunch of us send this feedback, hopefully we'll be able to like fix this. Okay, Aiden's number now. What did you think, Danny? I liked it. (laughs) (laughs) I just thought it was cute. Like, I don't know. Like, it's so funny how I'm just, like, noticing, like, just even between, like, the different characters, like, how their own, like, each musical number is. Like, it felt so just, like, in character for him, like, his choreography and and gestures and, and the way that he sang it. Like, it's different than, like, the choreography and stuff of, like, other characters. He kind of just seemed more, like, lax and, like, chill and, like, you know. Yeah. And his little dance that he does, <laughs> like, when he's walking back to the couch. I don't know. I just, such a little cutie. I was, like, actually kind of, kind of sad that him and uh, Zoe don't have any kind of, like, connection. I feel like they're developing this, like, brother-sister thing. That's what it's feeling like, that red herring of the sex and, sex and candy song, sex and I candy. guess. I mean, they have, like, these few very very small moments where it's like you feel like maybe there might be something but for the most part i don't think we're getting anything and that makes just wanted her banging out man well i loved him singing the song like cute australian guy singing a like girl pop one hit wonder yes please (laughs) but i was a little frustrated by them making it a heart song because it just didn't feel like a heart song by like the definition that we've that we've gotten used to like they're he didn't have any intense emotions that were spilling out of him. This was just like being chill, kind of like you said. And so it didn't feel like it was motivated that he would sing a heart song. Yeah. It just like sometimes it feels like not just this moment, but there's I think there's been a couple others where it's like almost like it's like like she's giving context and thinking of a song yeah. or something. And then it just comes yeah. out of him. And I think that like it did feel a little bit forced. Lanier was saying they just wanted to find a way to make him sing, and I think that's right, right? Like, obviously he sings really well, he's on the show, you gotta use that talent. But it just felt like a little bit of a violation of the heart song logic to me, and... Um, I feel like there's been other moments Virgo, like that. I, I'd have, I'll have to think about it and, like, look back, but I feel like there's been other moments like that, too. I, I think there were, and in season one, there I definitely mm-hmm. feel like there were. Um, so, yeah, good song, He's a great singer, absolute cutie, but, you know, you gotta have a little heart to have a heart song. He has a heart. (laughs) I know, I know. I just wanted to say it. It was funny. All right. (laughs) The last song we have to talk about is Starships, which gave me major deja vu because Alex Newell sings this song in Glee. Do you remember that? No. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Like, I've never finished Glee. I don't know when... It happened. I know I stopped watching at some point. And I watched it super late, too. 
Um, but I wa- stopped watching after uh, Finn died at some point. I-, I don't remember exactly when it was. I just like remember that performance and so I was like wait a second what's happening who's singing what's going on this is just a very interesting song yeah um it was a really fun number I love that it was Zoe Aiden and Danny Michael Davis singing it together they just felt like such a weird a weird collection of people it was so weird I don't know like it was just like really funny and I feel like their reactions, too, were, like, in character almost. The way that, like, Aiden kind of does little things when they're, like, dancing (laughs) around. And, like, he's just... Yeah. And then she almost gets hit by a car. Oh, my God. And I love that, like, they had her stand there for a little bit. And then the other people on drugs are like, Zoe, get out of the way. And then they're like, I don't want to walk anymore. I almost forgot about that. That was so good. <laughs> yeah, it's like little moments like that, like that I'm like, oh yeah, like they're pulling off the high thing really well. All right, well, that's it for heart songs. So we'll move to final thoughts. I liked this episode, even if I didn't like Zoe in it. Uh, the highlights for me were definitely the dolphin line, Max calling Zoe out when she was being a douche, and Simon's performance at the end. I also liked that Jenna and Maggie made up, though to be honest, like, I kind of forgot that storyline between my first and second watchings. So I think it just, like, you know, the other thing's just shown a lot more. Yeah. But I think I'm kind of in the position I was a few episodes ago where I'm feeling like this is a great standalone episode and it's really fun. But we're five episodes into the season and I feel like I'm still waiting to see where the show is going to go this season. Mm-hmm. So, like, happy to be along for the ride. I think it's great comedy, great musical. I just enjoy the show. But I am a little bummed that there isn't more of a, like, through line for the season. Yeah. What about you? What did you think of the episode? I thought it was fun. Um, I definitely felt like it was also kind of like a little bit of a filler episode. There is, like, some really big shit that happens. and Yeah. And I feel like the Simon thing gets, like, strung about and then they make it into, like, a huge cliffhanger at the end. But, yeah, the Maggie and Jenna thing didn't stand out to me too, too, too much either. And I thought it was kind of fast, like, the way that their relationship mm. kind of disintegrated. And and I'm like, does this mean Jenna's out? Like, is she gone for good? Like, what's going well, on Well, I know there? that, like, if you're not, it, like, there are contractual things where you can only do, like, so many episodes if you're at a certain level. Yeah. So I think she's probably out for the season, but. Yeah, like, a, an arc is usually, like, three or four yeah. episodes. Um I do think there's also a lot of restrictions with COVID. Like, I was telling, I was saying in my notes, like, you know, like, why, like, wondering, like, why Leaf and and Tobin weren't in this episode at all. And then in the last episode, they were barely in it. And I'm just curious. And, like, only one of the, like, Yasmin was in it, but not Mackenzie. Or the other girl, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) And it's, like... I do think that this, like, it has to be something that's, like, a covert restriction. Like, only so many people can be on set and only so many people can be, like, there. Because, I mean, they are regulars, too. Like, they are, like, I think credited for every episode whether they're in it or not. But yeah, I just found that interesting. So it could be one of those things as well. Yeah. So overall, you liked it. You didn't like it. Where do you fall? Oh, I liked it. I definitely liked it. 
Oh, I did want to mention that I really loved the moment that Emily goes into the baby's room and and sees, like, what Jenna left for her. I just thought it was really sweet. And, like, for whatever reason, like, I kind of teared up a little bit during certain things. But for some reason, like, that just made me straight up just, like, start crying. And I I didn't know why. I just found it so sweet. Especially because, like, there's just so much tension there, I feel like. Yeah. And I feel like it was a moment where, like, I really liked that Emily went to check on Jenna in this episode, like, after a- after she comes in at the dinner table and, like, there's this icy conversation between her and Maggie. I just love that she was like, we're going to check on her. And David, who was just sat down, is like, okay. I <laughs> um, thought that was hilarious. His whole reaction to things, he's just like, okay, like, just going to listen yeah. to my wife. <laughs> I feel like, though... Like that moment, and I think maybe this is maybe this is what you're feeling, was that like it was kind of a moment of Emily seeing her sister for who she is and appreciating her for who she is. Because mm-hmm. like this was such a a beautiful gesture and so specific to Jenna. And she had been like kind of resistant to it earlier on. Yeah. And so I think she saw the way that like Jenna had this vision that was really loving and kind. And gave her something that she didn't even realize how much she wanted. Um, so I think it just sort of helped her realize, like, oh, yeah, I, you know, maybe I'm too tough on her. And, like, I don't see, I don't take enough time to appreciate the the good things in her. And I feel like they've been, like, too busy and stuff to, like, think mm-hmm. about taking pictures and all of that. So it's just, like, these little candid moments mm-hmm. of, of beauty. I just thought it was... It was just so heartwarming. Yeah. Well, that's a good note to end on. And I do think uh, that's pretty much all for this week. Listeners, thanks for joining us. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and share your five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, like I said at the top. Um, and if you want to follow us on Twitter and Instagram, we are there at our Extra Pod. See you next week. Bye. Bye. Baby, you understand me now If sometimes you see that I'm mad Don't you know no one alive can always be an angel When everything goes wrong, you see some bad But I'm just a Uh, I'm